get to the bottom of what's truly healthy in this crazy, complex world. So you can take back what is rightfully yours. Welcome to the Health Sovereign Podcast. This is your host, Logan Christopher. Welcome, got a fun interview for you today. My guest is Kyle Brown, who is the founder and CEO of Fit365 Shakes. He's also a wellness sage whose mission is to empower conscious entrepreneurs to break down barriers in order to master life. Over the last two decades, world changers, top CEOs, Fortune 500 companies, professional athletes, and countless celebrities have worked with Kyle to develop a sustainable, fit, happy, peaceful, aligned, and balanced lifestyle. Join me in welcoming Kyle Brown to the Health Sovereign Podcast today. Welcome, Kyle. Thanks for having me. Excited to uh, chat with you uh, as always, but this time with other people listening in. Uh. Yes, excellent. Yeah, this is really interesting. Like, uh, we haven't known each other super long, but we have so many similarities between us and our paths. It's it's uncanny. I've never met anyone that has the same number of like interest and in things they've studied and whatnot. It's crazy. It is, it is so mind blowing because we're both so incredibly weird with so many similarities. It's mind blowing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. So fitness, strength training, personal trainer, uh, studied NLP, EFT, nutrition, all this stuff, like the foundations of my businesses and everything that I do, like you're the same person. Basically, Seriously, yeah. If you just want to read my bio with the word "ditto," <laughs> we're good. You're like, Y'all know me, ditto. <laughs> just I mean, some nuances and different flavoring. So right. it, it should be a fun, uh, wide-ranging uh, conversation here. I, I want to start with the new title you've given yourself: the Wellness Sage. I, I, I think that's a wonderful title. What does the wellness sage mean to you? Why did you end up with that? Ah, thank you. I'm a, I'm, I'm a hyper analytical guy and, and I'm also somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Truly I, believes. I, yeah. Throughout this, I promise. Oh, rock on, rock on. And so, but, but then also I'm, I'm definitely a woo woo guy. And I was like, all right, I'm like, I want this to come to me and I want it to come to me at the right time. And I've been, sitting around thinking and feeling like, where do I see my future going? Coming from this fitness background into then nutrition, you know, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, energetic. I was like, um, calling me a personal trainer at this point, I'd rather you just call me fat. Like <laughs> it, it just doesn't fully hold up. It's just such a piece of what I do. And I was like, all right, but I need a new title. And so I was thinking of, okay, who is it that I want to uh, embody? You know, I want to be me, but what type of thing? And I was listening a lot to a lot of Wayne Dyer. And I was listening to him talk about, uh, you know, the Tao. And he was using in contrast, and a sage does this. And I kept hearing the word sage, sage, sage. And then I was like, well, everything I've, I've been preaching all my life is really wellness-based much more than just fitness. So I was like, okay, ooh, the wellness age, done. <laughs> and it just resonated. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like the words wellness, like more than health. Like I, I, I was reflecting on this with health because it's kind of tied to healthcare. So people assume it's Western medicine, essentially, which is really, as many people have said, it's, it's disease care. It's only uh, focused on the, the problems and fixing that, which certainly has its case, but wellness is like a different level. 
right? Is that how you see it? Completely. And if you sit back and think about um, so much of our programming happens when we're kids, right? The younger we are, the more pliable we are. Think back to health class. Health class is a very uncomfortable thing for most of us. It's like put a condom on a banana and try not to like giggle in front of everybody. So it doesn't doesn't really have the the right yeah. energy of what we're trying to push. A couple things stand out from health class in high school that I had. One was the teacher saying like, if you take anything more than hundred percent RDA of a vitamin, you're just going to flush it out the body, right? Right. Without my mind, so really good foundational knowledge there. And then secondly, <laughs> we were talking about like blood sugar. And it's like even if you eat something completely crappy, like a cookie, that's better to eat than to not eat anything. Uh, so, so your blood sugar uh, remains stable. Right. Right. Because right. if you don't have <laughs> sugar. Totally. If you don't have sugar, according to them, it means you're going to die. <laughs> you're basically dead. And that works only for, you know, maybe a type one diabetic. You know, I've got a daughter who's type one diabetic. So there is yeah. something to watch in your sugar. But that is not the normal physiology of a human. So basically right. what I learned in health class is that uh, if the government and big corporations are paying for the education, they might have an ulterior motive. <laughs> right. Or it's just really, really outdated and shows you how, how bad science can be and uh, how much we learn, how clear it is in hindsight, but only in hindsight. Yes, people stand behind the word science, but uh, they don't understand that science is an ever evolving field, mm -hmm. right? It yep. is science is kind of the antithesis of just taking things at, at its initial face value. Science is supposed to mean based on hypothesis, which means we don't know. Let's try to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. There's science how it's actually done versus science how it is uh, kind of like the perceived in uh, the average person not knowing. I mean, look at their education, what they get in health class. So that's how they're understanding. <laughs> completely. Completely. Yeah. Uh, and so the, the word sage to me, that also uh, the, the quality of wisdom seems to be in there. And that is to me, like one of the, the highest, most useful qualities, like much more than knowledge, much more than scientific knowledge, right? Actually have wisdom means it's embodied. It's, uh, it understands like the, the light and the dark that everything tends to have. Uh, so for me, yeah, that the word wisdom is really powerful. And I feel that's embodied in sage. Mm, thank you. You are actually now inspiring me to change all my social media to Wellness Age. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just beautiful me. I, I really like the term, but since oh, we're the same, mean, that makes sense, right? <laughs> it's a lot, yes. If I need to uh, consult somebody, I can just ask you because it's like talking to myself. It's beautiful. Yeah. So I, I'm curious your journey, uh, how you got into these different things. Let's, let's stick with those four, like uh, personal training, nutrition, EFT, and NLP. For me, I know it was like the, the strength training started first. I started creating this business like, oh, well, I should probably learn about health and nutrition. And then it's like, oh, there's these things like NLP started studying that and EFT right around the same time. Like, And always it was like, how do I use this to help get me stronger and healthier? But really the, the strength was the main thing for me. So what was your journey through those different fields? Amazing, amazing. I think we, our initial foundational reasons were a little different, but similar. So, mm -hmm. so many people, when they talk about fitness, they initially get into it because 
uh, they have to lose weight or something mm -hmm. like that. Like they're, they're not happy with their body. For me, I started in my basement in the suburbs of Chicago. My dad was lifting weights and stuff. So I had a, a very good role model with it. Um, the first book I ever read was Franco Colombo's bodybuilding book. And I saw his physique and I'm like, I want to look like that. So I would go down in my basement and I started lifting weights around six. And we had, I have a brother eight years older than me. So he had pictures of good looking girls up on the wall and Van Halen playing in the, in the tape deck. And, uh, and we had a punching bag there. It's my grandfather, my dad's dad boxed. And so I got into lifting weights and I got into uh, strength training for two reasons. One is girls. I didn't even know why at six I had like girls, but I just, I learned really young, they don't have cooties. So that was pretty cool. And then the second reason I got into it was the transmutation of energy. And the, I didn't know what that word meant, obviously at six, but it, for me, it was like, I didn't feel human. I didn't feel in my body. I didn't feel like I belonged, uh, like I was supposed to be, you know, like, like I didn't feel like I fit in. I was shy. I was kind of to myself. And so a lot of that, the way it was expressed was through anger. Um, and so I remember always my mom saying like, oh, you're so angry. You should go see a, a therapist. And I remember fighting against that saying, there's nothing wrong with me. I don't need to go see a psycho. And I know I said that as young as like eight, nine, 10 years old. Um, and I guess I was right. There wasn't anything wrong with me. It was the, uh, I just was who I am. And I, I knew that I was uh, more than I was trying to be programmed to be. And then on the other side, I had my dad sitting here and in that same tape deck, we had Tony Robbins on tape. So I got mm -hmm. indoctrinated into the mental stuff really, really young. Yeah. And then the other part, part that was really funny is he was the town eye doctor in our small little town and a few towns over, he had a couple of practices and he would go into factories and sell blue blockers. I'd go with him every once in a while. So, you know, I, I joke, you know, Asbury says, I'm the father of biohacking. I'm like, man, my dad was into that stuff 40 years <laughs> before you. We just didn't have terminology for it. So I guess I got into a few of those things uh, pretty young. Uh, but uh, of course, I love Dave. But I, I, I think it's very interesting to watch uh, that I got indoctrinated to stuff that was a little weird back then and a little abnormal. Um, and then, on, so that was kind of all in the, we'll call it in the masculine side of me. On the um, more feminine, spiritual side of me, my dad's completely, he's the scientist, he's the eye doctor. He was you know, totally different than, than his sisters, but his sisters are just total magic. They are both like his older sister is about to be 82 this next week. Um, has always, you know, taught a lot of these things to me. She was uh, a Hawaiian shaman, uh, a Reiki master, Jinjinjitsu, uh, you, you name it, she's done it. She's studied under it. She's in the, all the laws of attraction stuff. She did NLP, you know, when, when NLP was just kind of coming out and she was always kind of at the forefront of it, but she never launched a career with it. And then his other sister actually was um, uh, a medium and, uh, and very involved with this. And then I got to hear really cool stories about my grandfather, uh, even though he had had a really rough, rough life and he was like rough and tumble and construction and doing cards that when he was really young, he used to play cards and gamble, but he would also read cards for his friends, like tarot cards at like yeah. 12 years old. So there's a lot of that mix within me. All of that uh, got shut off for a very long time. 
And it was shut off because I thought the only way I could succeed was through the masculine. So I got the benefits of lifting weights and getting stronger. I uh, ended up playing college water polo. Um, I knew I was born as an entrepreneur and, and I identified as it. like I felt like the like think outside the box, not do what you're told kind of person. Mm -hmm. uh, rebel or whatever, but I was kind of the quiet rebel where everyone thought I was following all the rules, but I was sneaky. <laughs> I see it in my son now and I'm like, ooh. <laughs> so so uh, the point being is like, uh, it wasn't until I got uh, quite a bit older that I started bringing all of that other and the feminine side back. But mm -hmm. like I, my 12th birth birthday, for example, that aunt that I was just describing, she took me into this metaphysical store called heaven on earth and said, pick out anything. Well, she said, go wherever you want to go and pick out anything you want. And so my sister went to radio shack and got a tape player. I went to the metaphysical store and I got these spirit animal cards. And I also got, um, uh, the book, you can heal your life, uh, mm -hmm. Louise Hay. And so it's like, I'm sitting here and I used to walk around with my school books. I remember, and I had this book that was white with a big rainbow on it. Uh, and I used to kind of hide it under these other books. I didn't want to get beat up for having this book that I was <laughs> reading a self-help book at like 12 years old, 13 years old. So, yeah. uh, so, so there's been a total mix. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll dig into the EFT thing. So you got into it through a realm of like, how can this make me stronger? I well, let me actually just pause you for a moment. I want to say that it's interesting. Very here's where we start to see our differences. Like I, I didn't grow up with any of this stuff. Like I didn't really even get into strength training until I was an adult, around really? eight. Well, I, I was trying to do the bodybuilding thing. I played uh, school uh, football in high school, but I wasn't strong. I'm not naturally strong. I'm not naturally athletic. So as I was doing these things, I wasn't really having results. It was shortly after high school ended. I'm an adult. That's when I got into body weight training where I actually started to see results because I was trying to do the bodybuilding thing. I'm like classic hard gainer. I was doing stuff from the bodybuilding magazines, which is like not something the kids should be doing. So I'm not having a lot of success in what I was doing, but it was with the body weight training first that led to kettlebells and whatnot. So unlike you, like I didn't have a childhood basis for any of this stuff. It all came later in life. So it's very interesting to hear your story there. Yeah. So I had a childhood basis for it, which was amazing. <laughs> However, uh, the phys my physiology, like if you were to say, who is my high school doppelganger, it's Bob Saget. So I looked <laughs> like Danny Tanner from full house. So I was tall, thin, and, yeah. you know, like, like my, and my, and my brother's, you know, still uh, in that, in that body type. And for me, I had to kind of build that on top of it. I'd, same thing, hard gainer, but definitely yeah. was very lucky and didn't realize uh, uh, it was lucky because it wasn't like, you know, we used to think growing up luck was like, oh, you came from a family like silver spoons where you're driving around in a train in your family room. But mm -hmm. I actually was very fortunate that these things that were off the cuff were all kind of delivered to me at a really young age for a right purpose. Mm -hmm. I chose my family wisely, I guess. Uh, <laughs> on my soul path. Yep. Okay. Uh, so the EFT, go ahead with that. Yeah. So the EFT. Oh, and for people listening, EFT is emotional freedom technique. If you're not familiar with that and involves tapping on the meridians while saying stuff to dredge up feelings and uh, help work through lots of different traumas. I found it tremendously useful. It's actually probably, though I use it, 
fairly often, not something I talk about a whole lot because it's just one tool in my large bag of tricks. Oh my gosh, same, same. See, that's where we're back to. We, yep. we both look at ourselves as these magicians with giant sacks of tools of tricks that we can utilize to help ourselves and help others. And it's a beautiful thing versus being a one trick pony. Um, I, so I found EFT originally um, when I was setting up uh, my practice uh, and going independent, I've been doing it for a few years, but in 2006, I flew back home for my high school reunion and I went and got my dog and I said, you know what, who seems to be doing things right that I can model? So I saw Dr. McCullough's practice that he was doing and I said, all right, I'm not sick, but I just want to see what he's doing right. So I called over there and I said, you know, he wasn't doing apprenticeships or anything and I wasn't living in town. I'm like, I want to come in town as a patient, but I'm not sick Just show me the things you guys are doing and let me walk through it through the eyes of a patient. So I went in, I did the blood work to see where my health was. He was the, uh, for those who don't know Mercola, he's had the top natural health uh, newsletter from back when, uh, uh, back in the day and, and he's built a great email newsletter uh, practice. So I said, okay, I just want to see what he's doing. And so I went in as a patient, I went through all the blood work stuff. And then they sent me over to their nutritionist who was a, at the time was a raw food omnivore, which was very fascinating. So I went through and I said, what did you tell your patient who's this metabolic type or this metabolic type and learn stuff. And then they sent me to somebody for EFT. And I was like, this is some wild stuff, but I couldn't believe it worked. Mm -hmm. And I just walked in very open-minded, like, cool, let's just try it. And because I was open-minded, it, uh, it flowed really easily to me. Um, and then I revisited it about 2012, I think might be the year. Um, no, it was the year, it was 2016, the year my daughter got diagnosed as a type one diabetic. Uh, I'd been doing transcendental meditation. I'd gotten into a lot of these other things for stress management because I'd shut everything off. I'd gone hard into the masculine, hard into the hustle, 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 hustle mindset that, mm -hmm. you know, work harder, you know, be the hardest worker in the room. Um, and I realized being the hardest worker in the room could mean you're the bus boy. That could be the hardest worker in the room, or you could be the guy, right? So, right. Or be the smartest one in the room. Well, you could be the librarian. And I'm like, well, I don't want either one of those roles. <laughs> so what will actually make me, you know, the most fulfilled guy in the room. So uh, I realized for me, as I was doing this hustle, hustle, hustle thing, that all I was doing was uh, digging my own grave. And so I was waking up with panic attacks. And so I found EFT to help deal with like the panics and the emotions of all of this stuff. And then the last piece that I found that ended up being one of the greatest pieces and greatest uh, tools in my toolbox was I said, you know what? I need to stop taking myself so seriously. So I went to Stand Up Comedy University that was taught by Sandy Shore, rest in peace. That's Pauly Shore's younger sister over at the world famous comedy store. And she taught Arsenio Hall and she taught um, Andrew Dice Clay and a few people like that. And I'm like, I don't need to be the funniest guy in the world. I just need to not take myself so seriously. And I also need that when I'm, I was at the time traveling around the US talking nutrition to teenagers uh, at different places, including Disney World. And I had to keep kids attention for 90 minutes talking about nutrition at the happiest place on earth, Disney World, what all they want to do is go on the rides, right? That's a huge test. So I was like, <laughs> oh my God, how am I going to do this? 
So what I decided to do is I went through this stand-up comedy university. And when people are coming to a comedian, they're thinking, make me laugh. Right? <laughs> make me laugh, bitch. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I, I don't want that. But when people are coming to nutrition, they're expecting slides and to sit there and yawn a little bit and maybe learn something. Mm-hmm. So teenagers are sitting there. And the first thing I did is I had the teenagers standing up cheering adults are clueless, adults are clueless, adults are clueless. So I won them over. And then I had them for 90 minutes talking nutrition. So I was able to use the benefits of observational humor. And if you're familiar with observational humor or not familiar with it, it's basically uh, Seinfeld's style. Dave Chappelle uses it a lot. Um, Um, Bill Cosby, before we found out who Bill Cosby really was, he was one of the kings of observational humor, but it's just a great way of just sort of looking at things from an outside lens and laughing at yourself and not taking things so seriously. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it's worked really, really well in business. Yeah. One of the things I was just perusing through your website before this, and this stat stood out to me that kids on average laugh 400 times a day and adults laugh on average four times a day. That's huge. That's crazy. Everything. It's everything. It's one of my core values is laugh more based off of that statistic. When I Mm -hmm. heard that, it just blew my mind. But we start thinking about wellness, right? And even if you're just interested in say, okay, like let's let's take a little walk down. Uh, Everyone thinks the spiritual realm is the most serious thing in the world, and. You need to discover these mysteries and it's so serious and religion is so secretive and serious and serious. Look at the most uh, interesting, enlightened, spiritual beings ever to embody the human body. Mm -hmm. And we'll take one that people who don't follow spirituality know is the Dalai Lama, right? That's one, even if you have no interest in spirituality, everybody knows who the Dalai Lama is. When I went to go see the Dalai Lama speak and I was in college, I was like, I had my pad of paper and a pen and I was ready to like take deep notes and and learn spiritual stuff. The dude just starts cracking jokes. The most spiritual people I have seen are the funniest and they just don't take life so seriously. They have their golden nuggets of wisdom, but they don't live in cellophane in a cave, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? They are in many ways, right? the laughter and all that it's it is childlike in many ways while having that that deep truth which children sometimes have as well right you you nailed it you nailed it like that's uh my so my new business brand that i'm launching right now is called fueled by enthusiasm Mm -hmm. and it's been the basis of of my ideology for all these years which is basically that um we try to go through all this transformation stuff or change our body and reach our goals with willpower, mm-hmm. right? That's what we all try to use. And I'm like, willpower is a beautiful tool, tool, but we have to view it like nitrous on a Porsche, right? You press mm-hmm. a button for that extra little oomph or when you need it, right? But our main fuel source should be enthusiasm, which means with spirit should be exciting. And I got the idea about maybe 10 years ago uh, no, my kids aren't 10, so that makes no sense. I got the idea about seven years ago when my kids were just like one in three. And I was watching them like a lump of log just sitting on the couch and trying to like get them to go do something. 
and Mickey Mouse Clubhouse comes on and boom, hear the dun, 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 and they lit up and they started dancing. And I'm like, I wish I could bottle that. And I stopped in my tracks and I was like, oh snap, that's what it is. What is it? They didn't drink anything. What is that fuel source? And it's enthusiasm, right? They're totally present. They're in flow. They're in the moment. And like, they didn't drink an energy drink, right? I know it's a multi-billion dollar industry. They didn't like have to have their coffee to go do that. They literally just lit up with what was already inside of them. And mm. to me, that was just like my aha. So that's, uh, there, there's so much to that. When you said with the little kids, you nailed it. And I know, you know, uh, being a dad, man, you, you watch your kid and you're like, uh, they're the teacher half the time, <laughs> at least. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's kind of the way I'm looking. I'm like, I, I think, uh, you know, if we're, if we're going to use a national slogan, I would say make adults kids again would be, would be the new <laughs> modification off of the old slogan that needs to go away. If we could just make adults kids again, that's much more universal. <laughs> Absolutely. That, you touch on a, a few things there. So I, I just put the finishing touches on a, a new course for myself called the 10 keys to mental toughness and anti-fragility. And I have the, you know, great, great minds think alike. So and say the same thing in there. Like there's a time for mental toughness. There's a time for willpower. Uh, but one, these are faulty resources, so you shouldn't rely on them. <laughs> uh, secondly, uh, if we can bypass them, if we can go around it using enthusiasm, I didn't use that word specifically, but how can we tap into other values? How can we have fun or do things where we don't actually need willpower? Because, okay, Sure, you can use willpower to go work out at a gym. That's how most people do it. And that's why most people don't do it, right? Right, or, right. For you, right? We can get to go have fun at the gym. We can uh, do these fun things where the enthusiasm's there and willpower is not involved. It might be involved with like tough exercises. There's a time and place for us, it's at nitrous, but as much as possible, let's not use willpower and then Let's also strengthen our willpower for when we do need it. That was the thing I came to with this uh, course that I was putting on. I feel that's the best way to do things that no one knows about, except you, apparently. We, we, we stumbled on the same truth. <laughs> by, by studying all these other things. And, and I, I, I like to say it this way, which is like, if you view exercise the way you view a colonoscopy, you're probably not going to schedule it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Very true. Very true. <laughs> so if you That's view exercise so as you do, you know, playing, like I know adults don't play anymore, right? But oh, yeah. back when you were a kid, if you viewed it that same way, then then it's super easy to do. It's something you get to do. Precisely, precisely. It's like it is literally a break from some of the stuff you don't want to do. Right. <laughs> it, it, it's it's all about intention. Everything is an intention game. And I know there's times you don't want to exercise or whatever, but just you have to use that NLP benefit of reframing and say, how can I look at this through the lens that excites me? Like mm -hmm. that to me is the ultimate question when it comes to fitness. How can I look at this through the lens that excites me? And mm -hmm. I can usually tell um, whether or not people are going to succeed pretty early on based on the way that they're looking at things. I remember uh, I had this moment probably about three years ago, I was hiking up in Torrey Pines with my one client that we do these morning hikes. Um, I just moved out near Boulder from 
last 20 years in San Diego and we'd hike right over by the cliffs overlooking the ocean. And we were just sitting here taking in the beauty of everything. And I knew where his mindset was for that particular moment in time based on how many pictures he would take during that hike. He would stop and pull out his camera. So if he's not pulling out pictures, he's looking very, he's in fight or flight, he's stressed out and he's just talking about whatever's going on in his life that's overwhelming him. If he would stop and quote unquote, smell the roses and take a picture of them, <laughs> right? Of the beauty that's around him, I knew he was in the right state and that we'd coached him into the right state. So that was the only metric I would use is how many photos do we take today? And if he's just mm -hmm. whining about something, I'd cut him off and say, hey, did you pull out your camera yet? And it was like, trick him back into like focusing on what really matters in life. And yeah. I remember there was a moment where I was sitting there and we're walking down uh, or walking up the hill. And these three women come up behind us. And these two women are kind of in their fitness gear doing their thing. And then they had their friend who had her big soda in her hand and she had her cell phone in her other hand and she's walking up this hill and she's going, oh my God, how much longer is this? This sucks, blah, blah. And she was just whining, whining, whining. And I was like, I just was sitting here just thinking like, if she literally would have just shifted her focus to how cool is it that I get to be out here away from my stuff and hanging out with my friends? Mm -hmm. she just would have shifted the focus. It would have changed everything. But all that one tiny little move, Hey, how are you guys doing? And she would just gotten focused on the conversation. Then the exercise would have happened as a byproduct. So, right. so let me ask how, how you, you mentioned some stuff there. How do you get people to shift or how do people shift themselves? It's both, both the easiest thing in the world, like just shift your focus. And also in some ways the most difficult thing in the world. Yeah. Uh, so how, how do you get people there? Cause what, what I'm thinking about with exercise, right? If you, have always looked at exercise as a colonoscopy, it's not easy to start viewing it like you would sex, for instance, right? Exactly. Uh, oftentimes, you need to be getting some like positive results or benefit. I've been looking at habits a lot. And ultimately, where you, uh, I see people want to get with a habit is where the, the habit itself is like the, its own reward. So, you know, once you have endorphins going or the, the feel good chemicals that working out can provide, right, where that's its own reward. But getting over that hurdle in so many cases, uh, it, it can take a while before those results are coming. So how do you how do you help people to get there? Oh, that is such a great question. And I think it starts with a few parts. One is when I'm sitting down with somebody is uh, I like to say that it's hard to see the forest through the trees when the forest is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and if you apply that to this, it's like... Uh, it's like your body's inflamed. Everything hurts when you're moving. Uh, you, you, you aren't good at it exercise yet. So it sucks, right? We don't like things we suck at. So it's yep. like, of course you're viewing it like this and it's not a fun process in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So what I like to do first is the visualization and I like to reverse engineer from the visualization. So say, okay, since um, you and I both know that time is not linear because <laughs> we like to also play in the quantum field. Um, I like to use some of Mickey Mouse's cool tools, which is imagination and say, all right, I want you to close your eyes and imagine yourself a year from now. So I'll take that date. So you could be like, all right, it's this date, 2022 and visualize where you're at. And so I walk them into that moment 
where they are smelling the smells and tasting the tastes and sensing themselves and they're seeing their body in that feel. How do you feel? Now I want you to kind of step back as if you're out of your body, having an out-of-body experience looking at yourself. How do you look? How do you feel? How do you move? Where are you? Who are you with? All those types of things. And really just view what that is and how that vision feels. Sometimes we'll spend an hour and a half on that. Mm-hmm. And right again, take success leaves clues as one of Tony Robbins' greatest quotes. And it fits really well here, which is take the success of the greatest athletes of all time. And they spend more time visualizing than they do actually practicing in most cases. So why not visualize yourself in that position and then reverse engineer it and say, okay, I know I need to exercise. I know that's going to be part of the journey. I know there's going to be some times for willpower in the beginning. So mm-hmm. that's the first piece. The second thing that I would tell somebody to do is focus on, and I give, I give credit to this one to my brother um, when, uh, when he hit me with this one with other things, with just like, there's a perfect thing when you're like, just trying to like be a better husband, like you weren't washing the dishes or you weren't being there you went out of town for your work trip and you're out there like you start thinking like oh my god she's upset i need to make up for this by taking her on a vacation to hawaii that was my thought process in that moment when i was going through it and he's just like base hits and doubles not home runs you don't need to swing for the fences on everything mm-hmm. and i think that fits really well here when you're thinking like all right instead of saying i need to lose 50 pounds right that's a diet mentality and i like to say the first three words in diet are d-i-e Think more like, what are the little wins I can celebrate? What is a base hit here? Well, I showed up. Okay. I didn't show up yesterday. (laughs) That's a win. All right. You know what? I did five knee pushups. God, I can't believe, you know, when I was 20, I could do 30 of them, regular pushups. Don't focus on that. I don't give a crap how many you could do when you're 20. Like, I only weighed seven pounds when I was in my diaper. So who cares, <laughs> right? Like, like benchmarking, comparing yourself to yourself and then setting up a strategy on that and say, you know what? Yesterday I did no pushups. Today I just did five knee pushups, right? Mm-hmm. We want to only celebrate when we've achieved our goal. And people say, you know, trust the journey, love the journey. Like, how do you actually do that? That's not just some theory. That's an actual practice. Like, mm-hmm wow, finish your workout and be like, man, that sucked. But I'm really proud of myself. I made it through workout one. That was hard. Yeah. But it's not going to be that hard tomorrow. It will still be hard, but it's not going to be as hard as yesterday. And then you ease into it. And all of a sudden you start to just focus on these little wins, these little base hits and doubles. Right. And then you're, you know, unless you're Pete Rose, you're in the hall of fame. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. The visualization is so vastly underused. I, I, I get the sense like everyone's heard of visualization. Very few people actually do it. It's, it's kind of like breathing. Right. We all do it. So we think we know how to do it. right? <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's just underutilized for the, I'm, the power. I'm going to write you a check to show me how to take in oxygen and breathe out. <laughs> right? It's like, it's a pretty fun way to think about it. I mean, we all visualize. I, a lot of people are, I think what blocks many people is they're under the mistaken assumption that they don't visualize just because pictures aren't super clear in their mind. But uh, short of someone that is like born blind, uh, everyone sees visuals. They just may flip by their uh, their awareness too fast for them to notice it. Um, it. I guess any advice on that? Do you 
have people that say like, oh, I don't know how to visualize or whatnot. So I, I can't do I your personally have issues. I'm uh, much more clear audio or clear sentient. Like I feel things, yep. I hear things as my connection to source in many ways, more than see things. I do see things on the animal front and with my own wide open eyes, which are pretty, pretty remarkable. However, um, if, if you want to take the pressure off, which I've had to do this for myself, so hopefully it will help some of you, is I've had to step back um, and look at it through the lens of um, imagination, right? All little kids have incredible imaginations, right? Mm -hmm. They have their invisible friends, they daydream, they get in trouble for their imaginations in school, right? right? If you just think like, wait, things originally start as imagination concepts and that is an easier way to understand visualization it doesn't mean you need to use your eyes or see it in your mind's eye what you need to do is just step back and just like pull the john lennon and just imagine something that is better than the status quo it's like what would it what would it look like what would it feel like if i loved my body more what would it feel like if i if i felt healthier and I actually didn't have to drink all this coffee all day long just to stay awake, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that is a form of visualization and starting to then embody that potential of like thinking outside of your current box and your paradigm of life you're in right now. Right. Yeah. You might not be able to be enthusiastic about working out right now, but can you imagine being enthusiastic about working out a year from now? Or being slightly more enthusiastic about it tomorrow. Can you be enthusiastic about the idea of in the future being enthusiastic, right? How Just take that question and ask yourself this for one minute, uh, if you're listening. How cool would it be if there was a time in the not too distant future where you actually woke up so excited to train mm -hmm. and exercise and move your body or whatever words fit for you? Like, how cool will that be? Can you be enthusiastic about the idea? Like, that can be your bridge. It's like, man, I, how cool. Like, it's not that Logan and Kyle are born this way. It's like, right. And there's days where I'm not that excited to go train, but I do it anyway so I can get rid of my stress, so I can feel better, so I can think clearly, so I can take it out on the iron. But, like, how cool would it be if one day you had that same excitement? Get enthusiastic about that idea, and then eventually you'll step into it just by sheer default and habit creation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And of course, we've been talking mostly using the, the workout example, but this stuff applies to anything, literally anything. Everything. Yeah. What if I was one day actually confident talking to a girl and I didn't fumble <laughs> my words, right? If you, if you would have said that to the high school me, I would have been like, yeah, uh, no, not happening. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Yeah. No, no. I, I, I really like what you're saying uh, as far as like the motivations and uh, celebrating those those small wins you could say it's the the journey or the the sub goals the little things along the way uh what i was thinking about recently uh as part of that course i put together was humans are going to compare uh, this one the way we we judge right we compare ourselves to uh who we might imagine to be or other people we can't really shut off this comparison mechanism, 
but we can aim it better is something I came to, right? So yeah, if you compare yourself to where you want to be in a, a year from now, that can be motivating. It depends. That could also be demotivating. Depends on a whole bunch of different factors. Uh, and I know personally, like I, I'm focused on the future. Like I always have goals, things I want to do, right? Which can be very great. I hit a lot of my goals, but I also can be like completely unsatisfied in the moment because of such, right? Because totally. all these things I haven't attained. So it, going the other direction, like compare myself to how far I've come or the things I've already accomplished, that is going to generate that, that those feelings of gratitude, the enthusiasm to kind of keep going. So it's really important to be able to change the direction of your comparison. <laughs> yes, I, uh, I had a moment with that actually two days ago where mm -hmm. I was sitting back and I was like, you know, I, I like to sit back and reflect pretty much daily on different things, reflect and project and, and all that. But I sat there and my iPhone uh, storage is full. And I was like, God, I don't want to go spend another $2.99 additional month for more storage, just out of sheer principle. So I need to go through and delete some stuff out that, you know, I won't go back at. And let's be honest, we mostly don't ever go back and look at the photos that we take. But mm -hmm. what I did is I said, all right, I'm going to take 20 minutes or whatever here, and I'm going to do a little year in review. And as I started going back, you know, iPhone organizes it really nice. I started looking at my photos all the way back to 2020, which so easily I could talk about how crappy of a year it was, but, uh, and I didn't accomplish my goals and I wasn't able to travel and experience so many things. I can focus on that and whatever you focus on is going to expand. But I just sat back and I said, without any judgment, I'm going to look at all my photos and also see what just took up too much uh, megabits that I could delete. <laughs> And I started going through and I was like, wow, if, if, you know, I had four friends die this year in oh, one wow. year, four, all way too young conceptually, like all in their forties and all from wild things. Um, just powerful. And I was like, just these typical mundane things that we take for granted so much that I took little photos of like my kids being silly with my dog and stuff like that. Like how much each one of those people would love to be here to have one of those experiences. And I was mm. like, man, the little things are the big things. And we chase these big goals as, as creators, as entrepreneurs, as people who feel like we have this huge mission on this planet and that we need to do something big. But like, man, if I would have celebrated you know, I can do it to every moment, but some of those moments as if it was the last moment on earth and I just like played full out and I was present in my body and I was just like focusing on how much fun it is just to be silly and goofy just in that moment. Like, wow, how much cooler would that make experience? And we tend to only look back at our vacation photos or whatever, like, like forget the day-to-day -day stuff. Like all that really matters, like, oh my God, this is a cool photo that I just took of myself out in Cancun on my vacation I've been waiting two years to go to. Like, no, like every little day, it's not about the photo, it's about the experience, these little things and we can, it creates a visual way, you say you can't visualize, to go mm -hmm. backwards and see the photos of the little things that you did that were so much fun. So I'd, I'd tell everybody, you want a cool exercise to know visualization is do that in reverse. And go back and look at your last years of photos and you probably had some more magical moments than you ever realized you had yeah i know i did that, that, that's great I, I do like a year review with my journals and whatnot and that's 
hugely useful to me, but just thinking like, oh, I should make sure to throw the photos on top of that is a good, obviously it's, it's hitting those different senses, right? And it's gonna capture things that may not be in the journal, especially those little moments. I think Pictures that's worth a thousand words, right? <laughs> Probably a little bit quicker to go through with since I don't take that many photos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the, little, the little ones, man. Facebook sets that up nice for you. They're, Facebook, yeah. you know, people may be pretty upset with it in many ways, but you gotta say at least they do a good job organizing your photos and your friendships. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yep, light side and dark side to everything, right? Everything, exactly. <laughs> like, as a species, we should write off social media as a failed experiment. I think we'd be better off without it. Oh, without question. <laughs> I, uh, I I like um, yeah, human connection. I, I love to study. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I got fascinated with back when I started studying uh, the comedy stuff is I got really fascinated with the animal kingdom. And I started mm -hmm. writing. So the first book I wrote is called How Much Does a Zebra Weigh? And uh, I'll spoil the ending uh, or the answer to the question. The answer to the question is who cares? <laughs> <laughs> so scale weight is the most meaningless thing ever, except for if you're competing in a contest that requires you to weigh yourself or you're taking your luggage to the airport and you don't want to pay the overage fee because it's too heavy. <laughs> so the actual weight besides that really doesn't matter and even on the superficial side it doesn't matter it's not like you walk around a bar going "Ooh, that that uh, girl's 115 that girl's 125 or that guy's 171 212 you don't know you just go attracted not attracted you know it's part of our dna and i just loved studying the animal kingdom because i feel like they figured out synchronicity so well they figured out symbiosis so well and how we all work together and how everything just flows naturally when you shut off your brain and uh and we say oh you know they don't have as evolved brains and i'm like man i'm jealous <laughs> because <laughs> they also don't have this mental trauma that, that we have so right. if you if you can sit back and look through that lens i i love looking at the little bits of the animal kingdom and the way that they just they just totally get it and they don't have to worry about so much of that stuff and they can just uh, be much more and be more present than we can. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. One other thing I wanted to touch on is strength through adversity. Obviously, this is something important to me. Like strength training is fun, right? Like, yeah, looking good naked, obviously a good thing, right? A little superficial, but still important. Uh, just being healthy, being well, uh, carrying that through life, I'd say a, a bit more important. But for me, strength training has always been about like more more than that. One, it's been the laboratory in which to practice all these things, the visualization, the EFT, be able to use these different things and really uh, get better at them, but actually like use them for better results. But lately, I've been reflecting on even more like in the gym, I build strength of character. Um, yes. has really helped me in all areas of my life, but not everyone seems to do that. And obviously we're talking about strength, like the gym is not the only place to do this either. So what are your thoughts around the topic of strength through adversity? Oh man, I love it. Uh, first off, uh, we are so aligned. It's unbelievable. And, uh, and, and I'll say when it comes to this, it's, it's huge. So a huge part of uh, when I would look at strength through adversity before was emotionless mental toughness. Mm. 
that was the old version of me uh, before I had my own uh, near-death experience uh, uh, a few years ago. And then I started to really tap into the idea that strength through um, adversity is much more emotional awareness and empathy and compassion and all the things that get called get you called a sissy when you're a kid mm-hmm. right oh you're you're a sissy or you're you're a weakling or you're this it's actually that is where the true mental strength comes in is that you can have compassion for others and you just keep persevering and so much of strength through adversity is awareness true awareness that there are moments beyond just the present moment and that you um, can in any moment, whatever you focus on is going to expand. And you have to know uh, some of the figures of speech and colloquialisms can be annoying at certain times. Like this too shall pass. My mom would always say that this too shall pass. And I was like, man, I feel like this too shall pass is like every day when I'm growing up. But like, there's truth behind that. That's a reason it became a figure of speech is this too shall pass. I can get past this and there's going to be more amazing moments and sunshine moments. And even in this care chaos, I am building more strength of character and strength of compassion for others and more empathy where when people are coming to me for any form of guidance, like if I had grown up in some bubble where I hadn't faced any adversity, how could I possibly relate to the people that I'm coaching and help guide them to where they're going? Uh, Mm -hmm. How could I relate to my own kids in everyday life if everything was just spoon fed to me? And I've noticed actually some of the people that I've coached that have had the hardest struggles in life were spoon fed everything. They were overly coddled. They were super protected from the world. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'll give you a, a quick example that I think is funny is uh, swear words. So I have a, a swear jar, a virtual swear jar with my kids. And I think I own like 35 bucks. And it's not for when they swear. It's for when I swear around them <laughs> to try to get things a little more aligned. And I sat back and I thought about it. I'm like, why do we not want our kids to swear? because we don't want them to offend somebody. Okay, I have a journalism degree, so I'm pretty big into vernacular and I know there's lots of alternative words and I know it's a hot button for a lot of people, but isn't intent more important than the word, right? The intent is the most important thing about what you say versus the words that you actually say in that case. So if my kid wants to say uh, the F word when they're describing how fantastic something is, amazing right and then on the other side is is if they don't have the strength of of character to be able to to handle when those words come at them like if somebody calls them a bad word and it destroys them and they crumble wow and they say you hurt my feelings i will say where do your feelings come from where are they located inside of you right? Mm-hmm. So since they're yours and they're inside of you and they're generated by who? They're generated by you, your feelings, right? They're not my feelings. Then shouldn't part of that strength of character to be able to be like, well, sticks and stones don't break my bones and words will never, <laughs> maybe break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Maybe there's something actually to that one too, 
right? Mm -hmm. So the true strength of character to me is like focus on empathy and compassion and knowing who you are and learning about your authentic self and then realizing that we're all connected. And it's so much more in the feminine than it is in the tough, hard, man up mindset. Mm -hmm. So um, don't get me wrong. I like to lift heavy stuff and listen to screaming right. music too. It's like you, but. But it's time and place, right? And now it's reflecting on that, like mental toughness. So much of that is actually emotional toughness. But in our culture, we elevate the the mind, which we think is synonymous with the brain, even though there's problems with that. Uh, and it's so much like thinking yourself using this hyper analytical in order to shut off the emotions, repress them, uh, deny they exist. Uh, that has its time and place, right? That's stoicism. And yeah, to be able to do that, it can be very useful but recognize it comes at a cost. And really what I was thinking, like, so mental toughness is often emotion, emotional toughness. And when we say it like that, we don't want that. that. That sounds bad. We don't want tough emotions. Emotional transmutation. Feel that feeling you have when someone says a bad word or whatever it is, or, uh, you know, your friend dies, right? Feel that fully, but then how can it be transformed within you? And that, that is that feminine, right? The emotions are all about that. Being able to sit in that space to be able to hold hard feelings, difficult feelings, and allow them to flow. Because it's so much with the repression, with the suppression, with the denial that they exist, that they become deeper internalized to where problems come out of it. Right. And how many people are showing up to the funeral of the stoic? or the narcissist, mm -hmm. or the emotionless individual. When yeah, somebody yeah. completely has suppressed all emotions, or even worse, right? I, uh, when somebody has, has no emotional feeling to something, that would actually be diagnosed as a psychopath or a sociopath. And, 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 and that does not make, uh, make a good, uh, a good friend, <laughs> right? <Yeah>. right? <laughs> Man, I'm hitting, I'm hitting a really hard time. I want to call my friend who feels nothing, <laughs> right? Like, ooh, nope, nope, not calling that guy. And, yeah. yeah, I just, just, I there's, there's a time and a place for everything. And again, it's just, it's the fuel source, and it's the, it's the lens. Um, but, but I personally look through the lens of like, I, there's so much more um, strength that comes from from awareness that you just shouldn't take everything so seriously. And, and if you can just tune into being like a kid, bringing it back to that 400 laughs a day, like that to me, it's like, you want to get stronger. You want to get happier. You want to get more like just focus on that kind of metric. Like, man, like that's cool. You, that's cool. You lost 30 pounds, but like, were you a total miserable person to be around? And are you still? And did you lose? I lost 30 pounds and five friends. Like, <laughs> what's, your, what's your ratio that you're comparing it to? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Balancing all that. It, you know, laughter is, is the best medicine, right? There, there's another cliche, but with definite truth behind it. Yes. Uh, it, it implies it's a mobilization of the, the emotions and, I think it's important to recognize like the, the range of emotions, although we label some as bad and would otherwise not like to feel certain things to cut those off also tends to impact the, the more positive ones as well. Completely. So, so work on that range. Um, yeah, 
this has been a wide ranging conversation, but it's been absolutely fun to have it with you, Kyle. Oh, it's been an absolute blast. And I think at the end of the day, uh, uh, if, if you want to take some practical pieces from what we're chatting about today, it's, it's like, I, I like to just leave people with the idea of like, just don't take things so seriously and have so much fun with everything you do. And if you can approach it from a mindset of like, ooh, this is fun, uh, I'm curious, I'm interested, and you like follow that, that guy, that intuition, uh, that heart-centered leading is so much more intelligent than the over-analytical brain that, that uh, guys like us tend to get in our own way. Uh, and <laughs> move that away, we tend to have the best experiences and conversations and whatnot when we just lead with uh, our heart and our humor. Absolutely. Some words of wisdom from the wellness age. Thank you so much, Kyle. Uh, where can people go to follow you, learn more about what you do and your services and all that? All right. So uh, you can get in touch with us uh, through Fit Kyle Brown uh, is the easiest way to get a, get a hold of us. It's fitkylebrown.com. Um, and you can check out uh, our shake business is fit365.com. Thanks Excellent. so much. You want to mention okay. a little bit about that? Forgot to ask on that. Your shakes oh, important. Sure. Yeah. Uh, basically, we have a uh, a fantastic shake business we've had since 2005. Um, right now, we have a grass fed whey, an all natural and organic complete meal and a shake, all real food uh, ingredients. And we are in the process of finishing getting ready to launch our plant based version and our collagen egg version as well. And uh, again, just like life, it has to be fun. So it has to be super delicious. And we like to create things that taste like you're cheating on your diet. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's awesome. And I don't think, uh, uh, just to touch on supplements, I don't think that it's, uh, there's a magic thing that happens at the age of 18 where all of a sudden it's good for you. It's kind of like <laughs> nature doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. We, we like to draw lines in the sand, but that's all they really are. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, Kyle, thanks so much. I hope people picked up one or two things that they can start to put in practice, uh, whatever that looks like, because as I said, we covered the range here, but it's been yeah. a blast. Absolutely. Right. Same. Thanks so much for having me. Yep. Thanks everyone for listening. As always, head to healthsovereign.com. You can leave comments on this, uh, leave review, always helps us out. Uh, reach out to me. Let me know any other guests or topics you want covered in the future. Thanks for listening.